said, use all of this water in order to prime the pump. Now, as a guy who's dying of thirst, he has a big decision to make. Uh, one, do I drink it? Uh, or two, do I take the risk that, I, that I'm going to use all this in order to prime the pump? But then he began to wonder, well, what if it doesn't work? You know, what if I pour all the water in and no water comes out? And then he began to realize, if I drink this water, there's no way it's going to be enough for me to make it the rest of the way across the desert. And so he decided to take a leap of faith. I mean, he got, the, he got that jug, and he just poured it all in in order to prime the pump, and then he began to work on that pump. And after a couple of minutes, nothing's coming out, and he, I mean, he is about to die at this point. And finally, water begins to come out of the pump, and it's so much water that he's able to get plenty of water to drink, and he's able to fill up all of his containers with water. He even takes a little bath with the extra water that's coming out. At the end, he fills up that jug again with water, and then he adds his own little note to it. And his little note says, really, use this water, it really works. Now, I think that there are a lot of us who, as we are going through life, that spiritually, man, we are quenched. You know, we're dying of thirst, and I really believe there's a lot of people who are just so thirsty for God. And we'd like to experience him. We'd like to know that he's real, but we're just sort of at this place in so many of our lives where we just don't know what to do. And so the question is, are we going to, are we going to jump into what God's word says and believe it? And you know, there's a risk that comes there. What if it's not true? Or are we just going to try to make it on our own? And I think a lot of us are beginning to understand that if we try to make it on our own through life, that man, it might not be enough you know, just to get, it, get us through. Because the fact of the matter is life is very complex. You know, there's a lot of things that life does that throws us curveballs. Have any of y'all ever been thrown curveballs before in life? Just stuff that happens and you go, didn't expect that. Uh, I, I'll share with you a few curveballs that have happened in my life. And it's not that they're all bad. It's just that some of them, you know, kind of catch you off guard. I remember when I got married, that was one of my curveballs in life. Emily's not here today, and I'm not saying it was bad, but it was just different. You know, you get married, you're excited, but then living with somebody when you've never lived with somebody before, that's a weird experience. And then, you know, you kind of get used to each other, and then the next curveball is you have a kid. And then that changes all the dynamics right there. I mean, you have this child, and it changes, you know, your movie choices and your restaurant choices. It changes your sleeping habits. And then we've noticed that after a period of time, what happens? You get used to your kids, and then another curveball comes along, and, and then your kids leave. And then you're starting all over, and you, you have to start liking each other again or liking being with each other again just by yourselves. So life's got a lot of curveballs. Now, I, I like life. There's a lot of things that are great about it, but you know what? As, as life just sort of kind of moves on, I'm beginning to understand there's a lot of instability in life. And so the question for me is, well, how do we, how do we find stability in this life when there's so much instability around us? And I think there's really two ways that you can handle it. One, you can just sort of live in fear for all of your life and say, man, there's just a lot of curveballs coming and I don't know which, which one's next. And we just be afraid of it all the time. Or we can embrace life and we can decide that we're going to live it. Now, today we are continuing our series, Live Like You Were Dying. We have one more week in it. And, of course, you know that the, from the, it's from the song, Tim McGraw's song. And in the song, a father gets a terminal illness and his instruction really to his son, the son, we don't, we don't have all the time in the world. And so do the things that you need to do. And 
embrace life, live like you were dying. And, and one of the things that he talks about in the song is he said that he, he grabbed and read the good book. And so I thought about that, and I was like, why, why is, and that's, of course, the Bible, but why is that so important? You know, what's so important about the good book? Well, today we're going to see that there is great power and wisdom and leadership and blessing that comes in this book that we call the Bible. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see why it's so important that as we are going to live like we're dying, that one of the things we do is that we dig into and read Scripture. Uh, most commentators believe that the Scripture we're going to read today was written by King David. And in this text we'll look at, we're going to see David point out to us the power and the wisdom that comes in God's Word. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Psalm 119, uh, verse number 105 is where we're going to start. You'll, many of you will be familiar with these verses, but you just go right to the middle of your Bible. Psalm 119, verse 105. Uh, just a little interesting tidbits about Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, there's 176 verses in this one chapter. It is divided up into 22 different sections. And the section we are looking at today is the section, it's called None. Now, that, what in the world is that? Is that the Catholic nun? No, it's, it's a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so it, each letter in the Hebrew alphabet is used to divide up this one psalm. Now, there's a reason for this. It was a memory tool. And so one thing that we can learn from this is David, as he writes this, is letting us know, this is some stuff or these are some things that I want you to, to commit to memory. There's some things I want you to especially pay attention to in these verses I'm going to give to you. Now, what did he want us to pay attention to? He wanted us to pay attention to the value and the power that comes in what God has to say in Scripture. And so what does God have to say to us? Well, we're just going to point out very simply a few features of Scripture that David points out that are important. And the very first feature of the Bible that he points out to us is the Bible serves as a guide. It serves as a guide for your life. You know, why is the Bible so important? Because it's in this book where you are given guidance from God. Now look with me in verse 105. It's what David said about God's Word. He said, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That's one thing I think is really neat. As, as David talks about the Bible, he gives a really good description of what the Bible is. He says, the Bible, it is like a lamp. He said, the Bible, it is like a light. Now, we all know that, that a, a light is important. A light enables you to see. Enables you to see where you need to go. If you're on a path, it's nice to have a light so that you can avoid you know, obstacles that are before you. And so whenever we think of a light, it gives off a positive you know, connotation. And we like light because we're able to see. Uh, a few weeks ago, Emily and I were going down to Charleston, and uh, we stopped off in, in Bowman. Uh, if y'all know where Bowman is on the way down to the beach, just a, a little side note, y'all says nothing to do with anything, but the gas station there, they had the best chicken. Oh, my gosh. And so anyway, so we go to Bowman. They have also great potato wedges. And so we're in Bowman, I have, to, I have to stop, and I need to go to the restroom, you know, whatever. And so I, I go in there, and you know, gas station restrooms are not my favorite. Um, so yeah, I walk in, it's really kind of nasty, it's weird, and I'm, I'm a germ freak anyway. And so I walk in there, I'm in, I'm not, I'm not kidding, I walk in, and within four seconds, the power goes off. 
and the lights go off, and it's pitch black in there. And I'm sitting there about to have like a panic attack because I'm thinking if I move to my left or right, I might, I'm going to get some of these gas station germs on me. And so I'm frozen. Well, after about 30 seconds, I'm not like 30 seconds, there's no light, and I don't know what to do. Because I know, I know the general layout, but I also know there's stuff in between me and the door that I don't want to touch. And so after about 30 seconds, the light comes back on, and I'm able to see, and I go right to the sink. I wash my hands. You know, I'm like lathering up. I mean, I'm like taking a shower, and then I get out of that bathroom. Now, I was able to do that because the light came on. And when the light came on, I could see where I needed to go. Now, I tell you that because in a, in a very real sense, that's what the Bible's like. The Bible is a light for us so that we can see where to go. When David says the Bible is a lamp, that it is a light, in, in David's day, a lamp was used like a flashlight. So when people were walking on past, they would have a lamp that would give them just enough light to see what was in front of them so that they could avoid tripping over obstacles. That's the Bible. Remember I said life has a lot of curveballs. It has a lot of traps. Well, that's why David says, pay attention to what Scripture says because it will shine a light on the things of this world so that you will be able to navigate through it. Now, I know that we're more sophisticated today than flashlights. You know, we have, um, you know, we have the, uh, this past week, you know, iPhone's new update came out. If you have an iPhone, you probably updated your phone. And I, it, it, which is it totally, the, all, the, all that stuff is amazing to me. I mean, I can sit next to my daughter Janie on the couch, and it has FaceTime. You know FaceTime? And we, we will sit next to each other, and we can face, we'll be sitting next to each other. We'll FaceTime each other. Why? Because we can. You know, it's just kind of neat. You know, I'm looking at you on the screen. Hey, look, there you are. And so it's just kind of a neat thing. Now, there's all these technological advances that we have, and yet, even though we have all these advances in our world, the darkness touches our world. You can even touch technology. Now, I think FaceTime's kind of a cool thing. But guys, it's, it's also, there's some, some things in our technology that are so base and horrible. Uh, there's statistics that have come out that have said that whenever a child is first exposed to hardcore porn online, it's 11 years old. 70% of young men, 49% of young women believe it's okay to watch pornography. I mean, just absolutely mind-blowing statistics. There was a federal judge that came out this year, as a matter of fact, just this spring, and he said the uh, morning after pill, the abortion pill, needs to be made available to women of all ages. So New York City schools have made it available to 14-year-old girls without the consent of their parents. Now, what blows my mind is if they have a headache at school and they want to get an Advil, they have to get their parents' permission. Now, I see all this stuff, and it just it blows my mind. And I say, somebody needs to turn a light on here. Now, what's the light? The light is God's Word. We need people to look and to see God's Word. Now, if you are serious about having direction for your life and, and to have a path that you can walk on, where you know you're going to be able to see the traps and the obstacles that are out there, David says, Scripture is a light for your life that will light up your path. He said, well, how do, how do I make that happen for me? Here's a great start. 
open this book. Read what it says. So I'm not real sure what it says. A couple things. One, pray. And I ask God, say, God, as I read the scripture, I don't understand everything, but Lord, I pray that you'll open my eyes to what you want me to see. I really believe that, that God answers those prayers. Another thing is that we have our small group ministry where we gather together as believers and we go through scripture and we talk about how it applies to our lives. Those are important things. But whenever I look into scripture, I see that one of the very first features of the Bible is it serves as a guide. But I also see this, it, it also serves as a repair manual for life. That's why the Bible's important. It, it shows us how our lives can be repaired by God. Now look in verse 107. This is what David said. He said, I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me life through your word. David wrote, I am severely afflicted. I mean, he is weary at this time. He's worn out. Now, what's going on in David's life? And, and many scholars believe that whenever David wrote this, he was not yet the king of Israel. The prophet Samuel had come to David and said, God has chosen you to be the next king of Israel. Now, there was a king at this time, it's King Saul. And King Saul found out about this, and you can imagine he was not very pleased with this information. And so he spent the next number of years having his army chase David all over the nation of Israel, trying to kill him. And so it's at this point that David's like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being chased. I'm tired of somebody always after my life. And he's worn out. And I, I, I believe that David had to be going through some thoughts of like, hey, God, what's going on here? You know, Samuel, a liar, when he said I was going to be the next king? You know, God, did you just tell me this because you're trying to trick me and you're trying to kill me? I mean, I'm absolutely confused here. And I see that and I think, man, I understand what he's, what he's feeling. So what did David need? He needed assurance that he was on the right path. He needed his soul and spirit to be restored by God. How's that happen? If you look again in verse 107, David said, Lord, give me life through your word. David was depleted of all of his energy and strength. He needed to be, he needed to be rejuvenated. Where, where did he turn to to be rejuvenated? God's word. Now, why would he turn to God's word? Because God's word gives life, gives hope to us. It's from God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all scripture, all of it, is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word, when it's put into practice, it will complete you. That, that word complete, it gives the idea of all the necessary parts being used, put together, so that something can operate and function. God's word is complete. It's all, all the stuff that we need for life. And when we put it into practice, it's going to work. It's going to lead to life. It's going to rejuvenate you. It's going to give you hope. Now, if you don't practice it, not much is going to happen. You know, not much good is going to happen. I've told you all a story about that. I, I love the lady who was on her way to visit her daughter in, in California. She's on the East Coast. She's going to fly to, uh, she's, excuse me, she's going to fly to San Jose, California. And so she was a little late getting on the plane, and she was rushing, and she handed her ticket off. She jumped on the plane. plane takes off. When she lands a few hours later, she gets off the plane, 
and she ought to, she's thinking, man, it is hot in San Jose, and which is up near San Francisco. It's a little cooler. So, man, it's really hot here, and everybody here speaks Spanish. Well, what's going on? What she discovered is that she did not get on a plane to San Jose, California. She got onto a plane to San Jose, Costa Rica. Uh, big difference. Now, that, and that's in a sense, that, that's what the world, the world offers us a lot of things that look good. They look pretty similar to heaven, and just a little bit off. And some of that stuff can be, when you, you can go after the things of this world, you know, you can go after pleasing just yourself, you can go after having more money and power and all that stuff, and, and it's, it's satisfying for a while, but you never end up arriving at the destination you want to. It doesn't make you whole. It still leaves you a little empty. And that's what David is pointing out here. He says, if you're looking for life and you're looking for repair, look here. Look at God's Word. First feature of the Bible is it serves as a guide. It's a repair manual for life. And then it's also, it's an operational manual. Now look in, we're going to look at two verses here. Verse 108 says, Lord, please accept my willing offerings of praise and teach me your judgments. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. You know, we all know the Bible is a, is a well-revered book you know, all over the world. Um, in the United States, 84% of Americans own at least two Bibles. That means all of you in here, most of you in here, you, you at least own one, and more than likely you own at least two Bibles. So it's a very, very uh, well-respected book, and yet it is not a very well-read book. Now, the American Bible Society did a study, found that one in five Americans spends uh, a significant amount of time reading the Bible on a regular basis, one in five. And yet, 77% of Americans will say, we need a return to biblical values. Isn't that interesting? 77% of our nation says, we, we are struggling culturally and morally, and we need to return back to biblical values, and yet we don't read it. Now, now, how much success are we going to have if we're not even willing to pay attention to the manual? You know, if you have directions, and yet you don't follow the directions, the chances are pretty good you're going to kind of struggle. Now, God's given us his word to do it. He's given us his word in order to put it into practice. Now, my fear is that many of us just look at Scripture as sort of a, it's sort of a neat thing. It's something that, hey, it's sort of like a history book. We ought to take a look at it and, and go, yeah, that's neat. This is what my grandparents believed. And so for many people, religion is more form than it is substance. And yet the Bible tells us that God's word, Hebrews 4.12, says it is living and active. What does that mean? It means it's, it's, it's got life. It's to be put into practice so that it can actually change your life. But if we don't put it into practice, it doesn't do any good. Now, David said, Lord, I will not forget your instruction. David at this time was severely afflicted. There's stuff going on in his life he does not understand. But he trusts that God's word brings life. He says, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to hang on to your word. His intent was on following what God had to say. Why? Because he believed there was life in the word of God. David came to understand this. That his only hope is God. 
Guys, let me tell you something. I am starting to understand this a little bit more each and every day. The only hope we have is God. That's it. You know, I, I, I was talking before the service. I told somebody, I said, you know what? You realize this. Every one of us, we're going to die. Everybody. Now, that is not like, and I said, it actually, that's a depressing thought. You can be in great shape. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the contacts that you need. But let me tell you something. I don't care. We're all going to be covered with dirt. Isn't that fantastic? We're all going to die. What's our hope then? There's only one place, only one person that gives us hope. It's Jesus. David understood this. I am afflicted, but I understand my only hope is God. Now, if we don't put his instructions into practice, we're going to struggle. We all know instructions are important, yet a lot of us don't follow them all that well. Uh, there's a story that I had read a couple of weeks ago about Chuck Yeager. He was, uh, uh, I think he was the first pilot to ever break the sound barrier. He's talking about him. He was a test pilot. He was flying F-86 Sabres, what they were called. It's back in the 60s. And he was flying over a, a lake in the Sierra Mountains, and he had a friend that had a house right, right by the lake. And so he buzzed his house. I mean, he flew as low as he could and just went screaming right over it. And he was going to try to do a couple little stunts. He was going to try to flip the plane, you know, turn it upside down. But when he did, the flaps on the wings wouldn't allow him to do it. He almost lost control of the plane. It began to began to uh, shake, and he was kind of confused about that. So he looped back around, and he tried it again, and it wouldn't work again. And he almost lost control of the plane. did it a couple more times. didn't work. So when he went back and landed, he told the, the engineers, the mechanics about it, and they went up to their higher-ups, and they said, we've got to get to the bottom of this because actually three pilots had been killed trying to do the same thing Chuck Yeager had done. And so they ended up tracking down where these, these uh, planes were being made, the specific plant, and who was in charge of putting in the bolt that had been put in the wrong way in the flaps and the wings. It's an older guy, and they went to him, and they said, why are you putting the bolts in this way? He hadn't even looked at the instruction manual. When he's putting them in, he said, well, it just looks like that's the way they're supposed to go in. Jaeger said, I, I wanted to basically wring that guy's neck because he never looked at the instruction manual. Now, I think that there's a lot of us, and we make a lot of decisions in life because we say, well, that just looks like what I should do. You know, I, I, you know, I, I think that I'm going to go this way because it looks like that will benefit me the most. People, that's not how God desires for us to live. He desires for us to follow his instruction, not to follow what we think or what, what our opinion is, but to look into his word to guide us. God's word, it's, it's God's word. It's powerful. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So my word comes from my mouth, will not return empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. God's given us, given us his word so that we will do it. Practice it. Not practice our word and our ways, but pr practice his words and his ways because we are trusting that, that he's bigger than we are. That's why he's given us his word. The Bible serves as a guide. It's a repair manual. It's an operational manual. It's the last thing I want us to see. It's also a treasure map. The Bible's a treasure map. 
uh, verses 110 to 112, says, The wicked have set a trap for me, but I've not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. Very simple fact here. I want you to know the world is not your friend. The world's not looking out for you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, the wicked set traps for us. That, that word trap, it is a hunting word. It's speaking of hunters setting traps in order to capture animals. Now, why do they want to capture animals? Guys, for those of you who hunt, why do you hunt? Do you hunt so that you can catch a deer and pet it? Now, you hunt so that you can eat it, right, to destroy it. That is what the world wants to do to us. It, it is hunting after us to trap us in order to destroy our lives. Now, the, the devil is great at setting traps for us. He can deceive us and trick us. We're told in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, he, he tries to lure us in with temptations from this world in order to get us to walk into his traps so that he can destroy us. So why is God's word important? Remember the very first one? It is a light. When the light is on, you're going to see the traps. When you follow God's word, you're not going to follow for the lies of this world. Instead, you're going to walk in the ways of God because you know that his ways, where do they lead? The Bible says here, they lead to life. John wrote in 1 John 5.13, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Yeah, most of us own a Bible. You guys, one of the best things that you can do with it is open it and read it. Look into it. Because it is a book that comes from God that will lead you to life. Talk about live like you were dying. That's one of the best things that you can do to actually live is to hear what God has to say in this book. Let's bow forward.